Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, The celebration of Christmas isn't just one day in the liturgical calendar, but of course is 12 days starting on the 25th and the 12 days following. So we are now in what's called Christmas Tide, uh, which means uh, as a church and as a people of God, we continue to celebrate uh, the Savior's birth, reflecting on the beautiful reality of God with us. And so I hope you've enjoyed a wonderful week of spending time with family and friends, maybe some much needed time, uh, downtime by yourself. Uh, I heard someone say that this week there's, the calendar just becomes a black hole and no one knows what day it is or what time it is. Uh, that may be a reality for you. Maybe that isn't. But uh, regardless of where you found yourself this week, I hope that you had a great week uh, celebrating this birth of our Savior. Uh, you know, there's something that uh, a lot of Christians say uh, right around Christmas time that I want to address this morning. Uh, and no, it doesn't have anything to do with the so-called war on Christmas. Uh, but, but rather, many Christians uh, say this, particularly around Christmas time. Uh, they'll, they'll say this phrase, he was born uh, to die. Now, I first heard this uh, in a song, but have actually come across it many times in recent years. Uh, maybe you have heard this, maybe you haven't. Uh, but it's something, certainly, that is something that is out there that I want to talk about this morning. Uh, I first heard about, I heard, first heard this phrase, he was born to die, uh, off the Christmas album. Uh, by a, a band that we enjoy uh, called Shane and Shane. Uh, the song Born to Die says this. It says, one, two, three, when the babe was born in a manger on the hay, God saw the veil torn, he saw Good Friday because he was born to die. Uh, it goes on to say, we came here today to celebrate his birth, but let us not forget why Jesus came to earth for he was born to die. Now, I certainly understand the sentiment of the song, and it's trying to point us to the centrality of the cross, which, of course, uh, is something that we we recognize. Um, But we need to be careful with this. We need to be careful with this idea around Christmas time of just so quickly moving to the death of Jesus. Uh, Because if we aren't careful, we might come to assume that the life and ministry of Jesus can be taken or left. We might be tempted even to think that the life of Jesus is this nice kind of moral teaching and example that is helpful, but really has nothing to do with what Jesus was really all about or is really all about. Uh, We we need to be careful because we might come to think that uh, salvation could have been accomplished had Herod simply gotten his way uh, and gotten to Jesus shortly after his birth. Uh, if the point of Jesus' birth was just his death, then the question might, needs to be raised, why wasn't Herod just given the right to do what he intended to do right after Jesus was born anyway? And so the sentiment he was born to die basically writes off any significance of the life of Jesus. And so what I want to do on this morning in Christmas tide is remind us that we don't celebrate the birth of Christ simply because it it was a means by which God brought about a worthy sacrifice, but rather remind us that we celebrate Christmas because of the life and ministry that Jesus, because of the life and ministry of Jesus and all that it has meant for humanity. I want to read my passage of scripture this morning, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and just reflect on this for a couple of minutes together on this New Year's 
Eve morning because I know that all of you are going to stay up late tonight and you need an afternoon nap, right? Uh, that's right. <laughs> and, and so let's, uh, let's look at Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7. I believe it'll be up on the screen. Uh, but if not, you can follow along. And then after I'm done reading, I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God, to which I invite your response. Thanks be to God. It says this. Now, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Uh, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent his, the spirit of his son into our hearts. That is the spirit in us that calls out, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God also has made you an heir. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now Paul says in this passage, this is written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in, the, in Galatia. And Paul says uh, to these folks, he says, when the set time had fully come. And that's not a great translation in English because it doesn't give us the, the heaviness or the weight uh, that the Greek language carries, but this, this passage carries with it uh, a heaviness or a fullness of time itself. Uh, that is to say that when time itself was about to burst, God saw fit to send his son uh, to take on flesh and to come and to interact with humanity in a brand new way, a way in which he never had before. And, and Paul says the purposes of which is to redeem those who were under the law. Now, under the law, it sounds like from that phrase that the law was both a good thing and at the very same time, kind of a bad thing, right? Uh, the law that God gave us, and by that we mean both, the yes, the Ten Commandments, but the fullness of the law, all the different laws uh, which God gave to the nation of Israel, um, it was good, uh, because, because rules help, us sh help to show us a good way to live. Uh, kiddos, your parents have rules in your house, don't they? Uh, and those rules are good. <laughs> you may not always think so. Uh, but the rules that your parents have are good because they are showing you uh, a good way to live. The rules are there to help guide you in the proper ways of living life. But for the people of God, the law was also bad. Uh, because the rules alone couldn't change us. That is to say that just because the rule was there didn't mean that we could always follow it. Uh, we have this experience both as children and as adults. <laughs> just because a rule is there doesn't mean that we have the power to always follow it or do, to do a good job. And, and so it was kind of this, this mixed bag of both good and bad. It, it provided a, a, a way, a path, a, a guidance for the right ways to live, but but the, the law itself, the rules themselves, couldn't really change us or allow us to follow the rules. And so following the rules helps to teach us how to live, but it doesn't change our hearts. And what really needs to be changed is our hearts. It's our hearts that need to be changed. It's us that need to be rescued. And this morning, on this Christmas tide morning, what, on this New Year's Eve morning, what I want to remind us of very simply is that this is what the life and ministry of Jesus is all about. 
that we can't simply just write off the life of ministry as being a good example or a good sort of moral teacher, uh, but rather that it was the life and ministry of Jesus that has rescued us and changed our hearts. What Jesus did is he lived a perfect life according to the law. That is to say, Jesus did perfectly in following all the rules. (laughs) And so that... Through his faithfulness, the requirements of the law might be fulfilled. Uh, Paul says, he says, the just requirements of the law have been fulfilled in Christ. And so now the law being satisfied can give us, can give way to the life-changing work of the Spirit. I want to say that again. The law, now being satisfied through the life of Christ, can now give way to the life-changing work of the Spirit that then sets us free to live in accordance with the law. So just the rules being there all by themselves doesn't give us any, doesn't enable us to follow them, but rather having Jesus stepped in, perfectly lived according to the law and all of the rules, the law is now satisfied, making room for the Spirit of God to work in us, change our hearts, thus enabling us, guess what, to fulfill the law and to follow the ways of God so that we are no longer in bondage to the sin that's in our hearts, but set free to follow him. Now, of course, we recognize the centrality of the cross, and all of this is fully accomplished through his death and resurrection, when he takes on the sin of the world, where he exposes sinful systems that would kill an innocent man, and then he defeats death through resurrection. All of this is fully accomplished in that work, this this Easter, Good Friday kind of work, but we can't so quickly write off Christmas and the life and ministry that that it led to because we must learn to see Jesus's death and resurrection as the culmination of his life and ministry they aren't disconnected parts as though his ministry wasn't working and so well now he better die for humanity it isn't that at all but rather his ministry of proclaiming the gospel the kingdom of God the good news to the poor and the self-sacrificial love of of others are all fulfilled in his death and resurrection and so his life and his ministry are connected intimately to his death and resurrection. His death and resurrection are the culmination of where his life and ministry were always headed. Does that make sense this morning? I hope so. (laughs) The result is what Paul says is that by faith, we then are adopted as sons and daughters of God. And so this morning, I want to share good news with you. The good news is that because of the life the ministry, and then the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. The good news of the gospel is that through faith, you have been brought from slavery to adoption. That's good news. The good news is that we have gone from being mastered to being loved And you know, as a slave, your life is defined and it's governed by that which has mastery over you. But as an adopted son or daughter, your life is defined and governed by the one who loves you. And I would say that that's the good news of Christmas. That's the good news of the gospel. Is that we've gone from being mastered to being loved. 
Because when we're mastered and we're a slave, we, our life is defined and governed by that which has mastery over us. But as an adopted son or daughter of God, our life is then defined and governed by the one who loves us. One of our regular prayers at bedtime, along with no bad dreams and, and staying healthy, oh God, please help us to not throw up anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know how winter is in the house? It's like schools are just a Petri dish, you know? It was supposed to be a joke. It wasn't that funny, though. That's okay. Um, one of our regular prayers at bedtime is that, God, as we rest, would you give us a sense of how deeply you love us? Because I, I, want, I, want I want the lives of my kids to not be defined and governed by by whomever or whatever has mastery over them, but rather I want their lives to be governed and operated by who loves them deeply. And so I want them to know as they, as they sleep at night that they are deeply loved by their mom and dad. But maybe even more than that, I want them to know how deeply loved they are by the Savior, the creator of the world. And so it's a simple prayer, but I believe it's a profound prayer of, of God as we rest, may we rest in the confidence of your love for us. The good news of Christmas and the good news of the gospel is that we've gone from being mastered to being loved. We've gone from being restricted by doing evil to freedom by doing what is, to do what is good. We have, in fact, as Paul says, received an inheritance in Christ and from Christ. And so my message to you this morning is this. During Christmas, let us celebrate that the life of Christ has enabled us to be called God's child. Freeing us from being a slave to now being a child of God. That we can't so quickly, let's not move too quickly over the life of Christ, but rather recognize that his life and his ministry were essential to his mission of making all things new. And that thanks be to God that when time itself was pregnant, God came to show us the way, the way of a new way of life, of new possibility, the way of life and love and hope and peace. And so during Christmas, May we be, as the people of God, the ones who walk faithfully in the way of Christ and are given the eyes to see it clearly. Amen? Amen. Let's say a word of prayer and I'll lead us to the Lord's table today. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your presence in this place and for the opportunity to gather together and to worship all ages, all generations coming together under your presence. Lord, we recognize today that all of us have different attention spans and capabilities of receiving the message. But Lord, we, we also recognize that the power of your Holy Spirit can work in the lives of each and every person. And so, Lord, we pray that your Spirit would be freely at work in this place. That as we come to the table, as we pray, as we sing and close out our service, God, Work in us, we pray. May we come to know today, if nothing else, may we leave today confident of how deeply you love us. 
And we confess today, God, that yes, the cross is absolutely central to our faith. But we can't have the cross unless we have the manger and the life and the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so God, on this day, help us to realize and focus in on all that your life has meant as you proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. Be with us as we gather around the table. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.